is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, doctors, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists, where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door, where truth drops like an atom bomb and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Healthcare Wrap. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and I'm here with Peter B. What's up? What's up? Peter B., what's the newest? Nothing much, nothing much. Just, you know, doing my thing, doing my thing. Happy to be back on the podcast. Always good to be here with you. Kind of fun, you know, I, I've got to say now that summer is technically starting to wind down. It still doesn't quite feel like it out here, and I know we bring up the weather a lot, but only because we live in this swirling mega hot spot of the entire Southwest. Uh, it gets a little crazy still. Still, still hitting up the 100, uh, you know, the triple degree temperatures. In the middle of the day, but boy, at night and in the morning, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Hey guys, thanks for letting us know what you think about the program. Get us uh, any ideas you've got for future topics and segments. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. Hit us up on healthcarewrap.com. And we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave it a review for us here. We'd love to hear from you. Exactly. All your ideas are always good. And uh, as he always says, Jared always says, you know, hit us up on LinkedIn. You know, we're on there quite a bit. And uh, you can always throw us an idea on there as well. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. And we also want to give a quick shout out. We want to thank True North Custom for helping us spread the awesome. Thank you. Right on. So we're going to move right on to our rap battle today, which is going to be an interesting one. As always, I guess I always think they're interesting, but this one could be, we're not quite sure which direction this is going to go. So let's hit up our rap battle. Rap battle. Rap Battle, ladies and gentlemen, is where we challenge an assumption that we feel like has been holding back healthcare marketing. And today's is one that I don't know that I've actually heard a lot about, maybe in, in different forms, but we're going to attack this one head on. And the assumption that we're challenging today is that we should keep trying to simplify marketing, that it's inherently simple, and that we're actually doing good by trying to simplify things. And here's why I think that's kind of dangerous. Part of it's actually based on an article I recently read from Forbes by Andrew Stephen. It's called The Future of Marketing Needs Tech, but let's not forget about the humans. It's a great it's a great article. I was wondering when you were going to bring this one up, actually. I saw it a little while. It's been out for a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, this was in July, July 31st mm-hmm. on Forbes. And this wasn't the only focus of the article, but it was one point that just like stuck with me and it has not left me for a few months now. What he was talking about is just as more technology gets introduced into the marketing function itself, this obviously wasn't just healthcare focused, this was just marketing in general. As more technology comes in though, 
we have to make sure that we we realize where it's of benefit and where it's not and kind of prepare and change the way we do things based on how technology can help us. There is one place where he started talking about uh, how we have to resist our inherent urge to simplify and in fact instead embrace complexity because I'll just quote from uh, from Andrew's article because part of this is really this is the part that stuck out to me uh, like I said it's just been with me yeah he said the part of marketing the past of marketing has in some sense always been about simplification market segmentation is a prime example traditionally we've developed a course segmentation with a few profiles or personas because it's easier to think about and manage like four segments even if they're massive generalizations and the personas don't really exist so yeah love that and then uh, and then he says uh, another example is the perennial textbook favorite the four P's <laughs> We all know that there's more to real to a real-world marketing mix than simple conceptualizations of product, price, place, and promotion. But it's simpler than the more realistic, albeit more complex, alternatives we could instead consider. So if we accept that marketing practice is increasingly complex because of technology, and frankly because our customers are real people with complex needs and wants and psychological profiles that don't fit a one-size-fits-all framework, and we'll get back to that part. Yeah. Then perhaps we'd make some headway. We can learn a lot from other disciplines where complexity is the default assumption, such as the sciences and engineering. So let's come back real quick to this part about because our customers are real people with complex needs. Yeah. And so and what what other place is that more inherent than in in healthcare? When we have kids or adults that have sometimes undiagnosed situations and it can be multiple things that are going on and this is the world we live in and this is why this hit home with me when I read it because marketing a hospital or a system and your experts and things like that you have so many different kinds of people and so many different issues that they're having whether it's psychological physical there's so many different things that are happening so I think putting them in personas and in finely you know crafted boxes uh, is dangerous especially in healthcare marketing yeah and I think it stems from a good place right I mean our attempt was we've always looked at part of the marketing mix is to look at our audience right that's right. that's a key part of our job in communications it's the same way in PR it's the same way Who's your target audience? Who do you need to reach to either increase awareness or cause an action to occur? Mm-hmm. And so that always comes from you know part of the strategy. But as that has evolved into personas, we all know that as we've gotten more data, this is where technology comes in, as we've gotten more data about who we actually are targeting and who we should be targeting, sometimes those things don't line up. And so it is a lot easier just to say, we'll just go back to our personas. We'll mm-hmm. just go back to the, the persona of, of Peter, you know, who we just made up out of thin air and we say that's who we want to target. So hopefully it's based on some data, but I don't know the personas are always based on data. Right. They're who we think we should be targeting. Here's the thing. This is where complexity comes in. It changes. Who we need to target changes and how they behave changes more frequently than I think we want to admit. Well, I mean, people are getting older. They're, you know, life is is happening, right? They're get they're having kids. They're they're getting older. They uh, there's disruptors in the market. You know, Netflix comes and Uber comes. I mean, you know, I'm just throwing things out there, but that changes how we uh, live our day to day lives. People get sick. There there's cancer. There's there's chronic things that happen. They get divorced. They you know, there's tons of different things that happen in a person's life that can alter that persona, if you will. And I think that's why it's so important that you don't box them in and you look for an ever-evolving. I mean, I think there's dashboards out there that help actually create 
complex personas. And I think the other part of this as well is the idea of constantly testing, the idea of A-B testing. And that in and of itself is complex because it goes back to probably the last podcast that we had was, do you have the time and the the strategy to think this out? Or are you you just getting stuff out? Are you doing box checking marketing? How can you do A-B testing when you can barely keep your, your head above water? But you know, that's where we're at right now. I mean, that's the situation. So I don't know. What do you think? I think you're spot on. Here's a recent example. I mean, here's where it, it has to do with, with measurement, for example. This has just happened last week where we had a we had a campaign and we we're going to take a look at whether this campaign's been successful. And this campaign's a little unique in that uh, how long it's been running. And it, it was... Was it, it a month long? It was more than a month long. Yeah. It was probably five to six weeks. Okay. And so anyway... Posts. Uh, this was strictly actually a, a Facebook campaign in this case, and we just had a simple question: yeah. Was this campaign successful? We tend to focus on engagement rate per post mm-hmm. as our number one KPI. So social media—that's that's the world we're in here. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so that's what we were looking at. And it's funny. So myself, I looked at the data, and then our marketing analytics specialist. Uh, the two of us both looked at the data independently, and we both said. What are we going to compare it to to know that it's successful? Do we look at last month's average engagement rate? Do yeah. we look at usually a longer period of time? I usually like to look at a month over month and a year over year. So one way or the other, we both decided we're going to look at three months, mm-hmm. last three months. Mm-hmm. Let's just compare it to that. That's the baseline. And we both did that and both looked at our numbers and we're like, wait, we have totally different conclusions here. Wow. And the only thing that was different, we thought, man, we must be looking at different data, but we we're actually looking at the right, at the same data, we were just looking at a slightly different window. In other words, this campaign that lasted about a month and a half, well, I had looked at the last three months, meaning from the end date of that campaign. So it was about the middle of one month to the middle of the month, three, three months previous. Long story short, we were both looking at timelines that were only two weeks different. And it made a gigantic... It made a completely wow. different conclusion. Compared to one three-month period, those posts worked uh, really well. They actually, the engagement rate was quite higher. The total engagement and the total reach, actually all three, were higher. But then just shifting it by two weeks later, they looked terrible. And that's how quickly things can change. And so, Well, you know, here's the thing with that. I mean, sorry to interrupt you. Here's the thing with that. We may be able to take away that campaigns on at least our social media profiles right now shouldn't exceed a month. Maybe that a month and a half is too long, especially as if I know the the campaign that you're talking about, it was the same kinds of photos and the same message multiple times over a whole month and a half. So may it have been a little too much? Yeah, maybe it was now that we look back. Maybe that's the learning from this thing. Maybe that's true. And so there were, I mean, another thing we're looking at was did engagement drop? You know, did it plummet after a certain number? Yeah. And it's funny because you would have thought, so there were about 20 posts total Mm -hmm. in this campaign. Mm -hmm. And after there was no clear drop off, I would have, you know, postulated. Yeah. Hypothesized. Yes. There we go. (laughs) It's a 25 cent word. Mm -hmm. I would have postulated Mm. that after about four or five of them that we'd have seen drop. And instead we were looking at this random curve that didn't have any clear line in terms of when it dropped off until you got about 13, 14 into that campaign of 20 posts. Mm -hmm. And then you had a pretty reasonable, pretty noticeable drop off, but like that's way longer than I would have expected. And so there's a lot of lessons I've learned from it. And the biggest one that, that I'll come back to this theme is that 
we didn't even have an easy answer for whether one campaign was successful because I could have ran either of those conclusions up the chain and everyone would have said, okay, cool. Everybody wants their content to work, but if you're not careful, it'll drive you berserk. You need the right partner, but where to begin? Use True North Custom, that's how you win. In healthcare content marketing, gotta try something new, cause innovation is king. True North Custom, they're the bomb. Check it at truenorthcustom.com. Guys, listen up. True North Custom is the only healthcare marketing firm delivering the full continuum of content strategy. For 30 years, guys, 30 years, they've helped healthcare organizations engage consumers and clinicians through award-winning content and data-driven campaigns. Today, more than 500 clients trust them for expertise in three categories. Excellent content supporting brand, driving business, and leveraging marketing technology solutions. Think about it. Two-thirds of healthcare marketers feel content marketing is essential or very important to their organizations. But with the rise of content marketing as an effective way to amplify your voice and boost patient volume, separating your brand's signal from all the noise can be a challenge. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So here's where this comes in. This is an exclusive download for Healthcare Wrap listeners. True North has a free guide for you to download. It's called Content Plus Automation, the modern marketing power couple. Guys, this is a way to supercharge your content strategy. It's really easy. All you got to do is go to bit.ly slash healthcare wrap one, the number one. That's where you will find this exclusive resource. Again, it's available only for Healthcare Wrap listeners. So check that again. It's at bit.ly slash healthcare wrap and the number one. Tell your whole crew. Now you've opened that proverbial can of worms, and I, I, <laughs> I think uh, see them all coming out here. It's it's crazy. That's when you get back to this big question of data being manipulated. Now you could go to the boss and say it was wildly successful, right? Based on oh, yeah. what you, what we had data, found, right? Yeah, yeah, and you have data, or you could literally go and go over to the boss and say, it was terrible, here's the data. (laughs) So I guess to the VPs and the execs out there that might be listening to this, that's the scary part because there's a subjectivity still, you know, I mean, the ball is in your hands to how to bring that forward. You have data proving both sides of it. So inconclusive to you, but how you choose to take that messenger, that little roll of paper with the wax little seal on it to, <laughs> to the boss and say, well, it was a, put in the word, success or failure, and you present it. And that's the crazy part about this is that this happens every day in business. I think the only people that might be doing this right are just are based on actual clicks of like Am- the Amazons and things like that, right? So you buy something and they give you 75 things that you want to buy and you're like, dang it, they, every one of these I want. And they know that stuff. But I think by and large, a lot of these decisions, you could go either way on it. It's just how it's run up the chain back to the boss. So we just need to write an algorithm like Amazon does, you know, to know when exactly, which time frame to yes. compare against. And, right. Okay, so <laughs> right. algorithms. Just get on that, right. That's what we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that, I mean, that was just one example. And I think we can, we can chalk that up to the fact of there is a context mm-hmm. for that campaign. Which context did we want to compare it to? And then that will hopefully drive which conclusion we actually share. We actually came up with a third way of comparing. For the record, to kind of put a seal on this story, we ended up with a third way to compare it, which was just to the posts, the other posts that were published during that same time frame as the campaign. Not a full three months. It ended up being about six weeks worth. And comparing just this campaign to all other posts. And in that case, it was a little bit, it was slightly better engagement, which was good enough. So 
just one thing out of all of that is to always be aware of the context of any data you read and don't ever assume that the data that someone shares with you is probably not intentional, but it might not be saying what people are saying. I think that's the exact thing where we have to land is that while it is data and it is factual, there's so many variables to it and it's still at the end of the day how it's presented. Right? What's the intent behind the present presentation of it really, the data? It really is. It really is. Well, whatever the data needs to say to show that my hypothesis was right. <laughs> That's kind of where it comes That's... down to, right? Or to get us budget for more of it or whatever it happens to be, right? Pretty much. I mean, here's where here's where I land on this too, where I you know, We're but, joking, by the way. Yeah. But doesn't this take away a little bit of importance about data? Doesn't that put a little doubt into the mind of data? And you question it then. I mean, when you bring the, the data forward, yes, this is factual, but what was the other side of it that was factual? So data, data by itself, I agree. It's dangerous. It is. So data with no context yeah. is dangerous. So I mean, what you could do is you could have, I mean, you can bring forward both sides and said, here was the two data sets that we ran. There, the only difference was this two weeks. Then at least you're doing your due diligence of saying, here's what happened. Here's how we looked at it. You take it away, you know, executive, and, and determine how you want to go forward. And then, yeah. then there's been no subjectivity to it. You've you've given a whole, whole transparency to the whole data project. Then, right, right. And I think that's a good way to kind of bring this full circle back to the this thought of complexity, because most of what we do is we're trying to enact some change, some behavior, some action somewhere, or we're trying to increase awareness. Almost right. everything we do is one or one of those two things, or sometimes both. And any kind of measurement has to take a fairly complex form, which is why a lot of us haven't always like naturally leaned towards wanting to run the analytics and run the data ourselves. And we have to get to a comfort level ourselves to recognize the complexity and find the context for it. So again, that was just on the measurement side. I mean, a couple of other ways I'd want to mention about the complexity in marketing. One is just content marketing itself. Right. Yeah. We've been talking about it for so long. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a lot on this program. And we've heard about it. It really came to the forefront in the last eight to ten years. So it's been out there a long time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we go to conferences and think, oh, content, yep, got it. Check the box. Where content marketing is so complex, like it there are so many pieces to it. We can't just it is very difficult to say who's doing it well anymore and how you can measure that and how you can tell. Pretty much, I mean, everything about marketing, as we introduce more technology into it, it's going to be more complex because we're not going to be able to simplify things. We are going to have to, it's funny, like there's not a clear date or day of the week or time of day that's the same from week to week of when we should be posting things. There are general times, but it changes and there could be one thing, you know, we could also tell too much about one post. Uh, We could try to do everything alike and maybe the only reason why one one post did well, that it had a high engagement rate is because of something completely unrelated to the time of day right. or the day of the week that it just happened to do with the subject. So right. you know, we have to be careful to not draw the wrong conclusions. So when I kind of uh, boil this down to a couple of thoughts that can help us overcome, like Andrew said in his article, we want to overcome our urge to simplify things. We just need to embrace complexity. A couple of things we have to overcome are, uh, number one is human inertia. Yes, definitely. Human beings, right? Right. Moving forward. Human beings, we are resistant to change by nature. Mm -hmm. Some have been able to overcome that. 
but by nature, we, we just don't want to change. We've finally figured out something, and we want to keep doing it that way. So understood, but marketing's not going to sit back and wait for us anymore. Right. So that's part of it. Another part is just simply the expectations that are placed on us. A lot of those who, who place those expectations on us think that marketing is simple. Come on, just tell me the day of the week that we need to post that. Come on, just tell me what, the, what to compare it to. What's the baseline? Did this right. succeed? And we're going to have to all get better at being able to explain the complexity. So first we have to understand it, but then we have to be able to communicate that to our stakeholders because they're not going to just accept the fact that, come on, so-and-so, you know, Amazon figured this out. Yeah. Come on, Zappos, <laughs> right. Zappos figured out customer service. Come on, just do this. Right, right. Well, and then you get the situation like you just talked about, the wildly different outcomes to a campaign based on a two-week time period. Like, there's no simplicity to that whatsoever. Again, try to explain that to a VP or somebody that has no knowledge of that kind of stuff. I mean, so you're coming in from scratch, basically, and trying to explain this to them, and their eyes are glossing over, and you're like, uh, how, does, how do we go from here? You know what I mean? That kind of a thing. Yeah. Here's one thing that is pretty simple okay. when it comes down to it. We killed that. Yes, we did. Always. Always. We just fist bumped to say no. Right there. <laughs> you can picture it, can't you? Right. <laughs> so, Awesome. All right, we're going to move on to our shout-out. We're going to wrap up the program this way. Shout-out. So shout-out is our segment where we just recognize people, places, things, thoughts, visuals, my word, ideas, anything that has just stuck with us recently that's caused us to think of the world differently. Yeah. And it was funny because I was gonna I was joking with Peter, I was gonna give my shout out to just math. <laughs> I liked it. And then I said, well maybe your eighth grade math teacher. Yeah. Yeah. It is it's fun. Miss M- Mrs. Hansen. I and I told you everybody has a Mrs. Hansen. Yeah. 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 At Lie by Middle School. Hashtag Mrs. Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how you spell it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, shout out eighth grade eighth grade algebra. Holy cow. Yeah, I know. It brings so, back a lot of money. Yeah. No, but I, what I really will give my shout out to is a friend of mine, Chris Hemphill at Influence Health. Uh, Chris and I have been coordinating just back and forth a lot, and Chris has taught me a lot about how data science is actually involved in marketing these days. And just wanted to give a shout out there because as we go back and forth, and as Chris has posted some articles uh, over the last few months just about how do you go about it, like what's the impact of it. The learnings that he has shared with all of us—they've every single time it just caused me to think, "Holy cow! Like I got a, I got a lot to learn here." And I mean, that's the kind of thing I just want to recognize: is somebody who's learning an entirely new field in addition to and learning how to apply it to marketing and offering that up, offering those learnings up to the rest of us. So I always love the content you post there, Chris, and I just wanted to give a shout out. Well, I have a one that I was I was going to start to be pretty simplistic in its in its nature. But this actual podcast today has evolved it right as we were doing this podcast. So I know you know you don't even know where I'm going with this right now. I don't. I thought, <laughs> I thought we were just talking about a certain team from the Midwest that just clinched a playoff. Yeah, spot. my Brewers. Okay, so I will give the Brewers the shout out today, but I do want to take it a little deeper and go with a data, actually a data set to this. So the Brewers uh, first time in the playoffs uh, since 2011 and only the fifth time in a 50-year history of the the Brewers that they've made the playoffs. So we still can get the division title yet, uh, but we'll we'll see. But I wanted to bring up a point too. There is no other sport that is using data 
like baseball. And I will give credit where our credit is due to uh, GM David Stearns for of the Milwaukee Brewers. He is one of these young GMs, 31, I think, 32 years old. I know, it's amazing. And he is a data guy. And he put data together, I believe, to create and to put this team together that is on the field today and has made the playoffs. And, you know, I think that it's often glossed over uh, how much data baseball uses. So I wanted to give that team a shout out, give him a shout out, because Milwaukee is a great baseball town. And I love having this young guy that is using facts and figures to put together a pretty amazing team. And I hope they go forward. So from a data standpoint, I'm really impressed with that. Well, there's your shout out, ladies and gentlemen. That's how we do that. That's how we wrap this thing up too. So just wanted to give everyone a shout out. All of you. All of you. All of you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. And let us know again what topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future. If you have in mind any guests you'd like us to bring on as well, we'd love to get them on the program. And on behalf of Peter and myself, thanks. That's a wrap. 